Well, good morning. It is good to see all of you out this morning. And we're glad that you're here with us. I hope that you can hear my voice. Uh, it's a lot better than it was Wednesday. Kirk had to teach for me Wednesday. Uh, and it's improved a little bit since then. Um, at the singing, it was a little more difficult because I couldn't, couldn't sing Friday night. And uh, so I had a buddy of mine even call out the names for me. I did lead one song for them. Um, but uh, anyway, it's, it's coming back, but it's slow. Uh, but it usually happens to me at least once a year, and this is the time that it, it decided to happen, I guess. But nevertheless, I'm glad to be able to stand before you. I'm glad to be able to present a message to you. We're still in our series, Overcoming Life's Challenges, and we've had many challenges that we have dealt with. We're on our 10th lesson. It's hard to believe um, that... I, I, I didn't mean to have that many lessons as I was entering into it, um, but I've had some suggestions. And today's lesson is one that was suggested not once, but twice by two different people. And so I thought, well, it's a difficult lesson, but it is one that, that, that I think is good for us to study, something that I think that, that you can learn from. We're look, going to be looking for the next couple of weeks at challenges of Christian behavior. The challenges of Christian behavior. And there are a couple of different ones that we're going to, to deal with. But the one that we're going to deal with today is matters of Christian judgment. Matters of Christian judgment. We know that God wants us to behave in a certain way while on earth. We often joke around with each other. I know that, that it's often done at sports times. Somebody will leave and they'll say, Behave. Do I have to? I really don't want to. But, you know, we, we, we have to behave in a certain way. And sometimes that's easier than at other times. Depending on who you're around and and what situation you're in. But at times the behavior that we uphold can be a challenge. Maybe it's the challenge of knowing how to continue in the good works that God wants us to continue in. Maybe we don't know exactly how we need to, to go about doing that. Maybe the challenge is not in knowing, but in, in making proper application. Maybe we know what to do, but maybe we have difficulty in applying it to our lives. Maybe we just don't understand how God wants us to carry out His commands. But whatever the challenge may be, we do see that there are some things that, that challenge us in behaving as a Christian. The behaviors of discussion that we're going to go through is... First of all, how to properly judge as a Christian. I mentioned that this was, was given to me twice. And I'll give you the, the exact uh, wording of the suggestion that was made. First of all, the challenge of being a witness for the kingdom rather than a judge over others' salvation. And number two... Criticism and judgment towards other people. 
Later on, I want us to also talk about sins of the tongue, such as meddlesomeness, gossip, and rumors. I have a lesson in mind for that. Things that are considered small sins that really aren't. We'll save that one for another day. But both of these are, are good things to consider as our Christian behavior is concerned. Our lesson objectives for this morning are first of all dealing with matters of Christian judgment. Can a Christian judge? Can a Christian judge? If a Christian can judge, how does he or she do it? How, how are we authorized to judge? And which judgments are okay? And which judgments are not? Whenever we think about judging, often you'll hear somebody say, You can't judge me. You're a Christian. You can't judge me. And really, this, this idea has been taken out of context from what the Scriptures actually have to say about the subject. Is it acceptable for a Christian to judge? Why would such a question be asked? And again, it's because it's been taken out of, of context. Many people will go to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. And they'll say, judge not that you be not judged. But they stop there. They don't go any further. And they miss the context of what Jesus was actually saying in regard to judgment. Is Jesus actually saying, never judge others? That it's never right for a Christian to judge in any way? Let's look at the entire context of what is said in regard to judgment. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6, this time from the New King James Version. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, or cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn and tear you in pieces. Jesus is not telling us to never judge others. He is not telling us that. He says, judge not, that you be not judged, but he's not saying that we should never judge in any way. As a matter of fact, there are times that we need to judge. First of all, we need to, as Christians... We need to be able to judge whether or not someone is saved or lost so that we can lead the lost to Christ. And if someone is in error, we need to be able to correct them and things of that nature, but we need to be able to judge in those situations. We need to know whether someone is faithful or not. 
And we judge that by their actions, by the way that they live, by the example that they set. Knowing whether or not one is a faithful child of God. Following the Great Commission means that we must judge one's actions and behavior to determine whether or not they are acting as a Christian should. We need to know those things and we have to make a judgment in some way in regard to someone's salvation that's required of us as Christian. But what is Jesus actually saying as far as Matthew chapter 7 is concerned? There's a certain way that we are to judge. And there's a certain way that we are not to judge. We are not to judge in a fault-finding way. Do you know of anybody that, that it, it just seems like their mission is in life is to find fault in others and to show them their faults? There are some people that are like that. And Jesus is telling us that that's not the way that He wants us to be. That's not the way that He wants us to judge. We are not looking at others in order to condemn them for their sins. We're not trying to condemn people. We don't want to look at them in a condemning way. For often we may be guilty of similar sins and in condemning them we should be condemning ourselves. Now does that mean that, that as far as, as preaching is concerned I don't preach any lesson unless I've mastered something? No. Sometimes whenever I preach a sermon it's directed as much at me as it is you. But I don't try to condemn someone. I don't want to condemn them just for the sake of condemning them or showing them that they're wrong. We don't do so in a, in a critical way. And we have to remember that in whatever manner we judge, that's also how we will be judged. Not just by God, but by other people. Now they're going to measure back to us the same thing that we measure to them. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verses 8 through 10 says this. He who digs a pit will fall into it. And whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. He who quarries stones may be hurt by them. And he who splits wood may be endangered by it. If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. With whatever measure we do judge, it is the same measure by which we will be judged. We have some interesting parallels in Scripture that apply to this, this idea. Esther chapter 7, for, for instance, is one of those. In Esther 7, we read of Haman. Haman had already condemned Mordecai and sentenced him in his own heart to death. Mordecai had done no wrong. There was nothing that, that he had done deserving of death by any means. It was just that, that Haman was jealous of him. 
He hated him and he wanted him dead. And so he had condemned him so in his heart. And, and what did he do? He, he knew that he could convince the king that, that Mordecai was wrong about something and that he could have him hanged for it. And he built a gallows. But what happened to Haman? Haman, who had condemned Mordecai in his heart and mind, was hanged upon his own gallows. What he had measured out for Mordecai was exactly what was measured back to him. And when he was exposed for his wicked ways, he was hanged on his own gallows, judged by the standards of his own judgment. How can one see the speck of dust in someone's eye, not recognizing the beam in his own, or the plank, or the log? There are many different illustrations, many different ways that this is, is worded in different translations. But we get the idea. Sometimes it's easy to see the small fault in someone else. But it's much harder to see the greater fault within us. We should pay closer attention to our own faults than we do the faults of others. Again, we're not to be fault finders. Jesus didn't mean for us to, to, to go into the world. And he was telling us that when he said judge not. He's telling us not to go about trying to find fault in others. But it's kind of like, I like to bring our, our preschoolers. Because there are so many lessons that I can learn from them. But I know the one thing that I, I tell them often, very often, every day, several times a day, you worry about you and let me worry about everybody else. Because what do they do? They look around and so-and-so is not doing this and so-and-so is not doing that. You worry about you. You make sure that you're doing what you need to do. And I'll take care of everybody else. And sometimes we as Christians need to learn that lesson too. We need to take better care of ourselves, make sure that we're doing what is right than we do in looking at others and looking to see what their faults are. That's not to say that, that we have no reason to judge. We may. There are times when, when judgment is, is right and it's necessary. But we need to pay more attention to self than other people. Examples of proper judgment. Examples of proper judgment. I look at Jesus and Peter, for instance. In Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew chapter 16, we read of what Peter had to say in regard to who Jesus was. And it was one of the greatest confessions. It was the greatest confession ever made. It's the same confession that we make in our obedience to the gospel. But just a little bit further down, getting into verse 21, we read this. 
Matthew 16. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples what, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine Peter rebuking Jesus? But he did so. He began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Peter thought he would defend Jesus to the ends of the earth. No matter what it may be, he was ready to face whatever challenge was presented to him. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And what Jesus was saying when he said, Get behind me, Satan, he was referring to Peter as an adversary. What Peter was suggesting was against the will of God. And so, at that moment, Peter became an adversary, an enemy of Christ in some respect. Which is very interesting, putting it in context and putting it after what he said, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. One of the greatest moments in Peter's life was followed by one of his worst. Was Jesus not judging Peter? And this after teaching them not to judge. He was judging Peter as an adversary, right? Jesus rebuked Peter based on his thoughts and actions. He judged his actions to be unseemly for one of his followers. He judged them to be the actions of an adversary. And Jesus passed judgment, but he did so in the right way. Another good example is Paul and Peter. And in Galatians chapter 2, beginning with verse 11, Galatians 2 and verse 11, now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Now, was Paul wrong to rebuke Peter? Did he not make a judgment against him, against what he was doing? Absolutely, he did. But this is what we would call righteous judgment. And Peter needed to be rebuked in this occasion as well. And so Paul withstood him in a way that he as a Christian should have. See, there are times when judgment of others' actions is necessary. But we should avoid condemning criticism of others. That's what Jesus wants us to avoid when he says, Judge not, 
Don't judge in a condemning way. Don't judge just to, to show people their faults. But remember that in whatever way you judge, it is the same way that you will be judged also. Whatever you measure to others, they will measure the same back to you. Though it is easy to find fault in others, we should be careful that the greater fault is not our own. And any correction made in the lives of others should be something that we are also ready to correct in our own lives as well. You will write. Point number two, the issue at hand. As we look at the thoughts that were presented as far as um, this lesson is concerned, I want to go back to, to those individuals that suggested it and look at what they had to say. First of all, working in the kingdom without judging others' salvation. How do we do that? How do we do the, the duties that, that are assigned to us as Christians and not, not act as judges over others' salvation? And this is probably something that, that is the most difficult as Christians. We don't want to be fault finders. We don't want to be critical of others. But at the same time, there, there are times where it is necessary and we need to recognize what the Bible says in that regard. Our Christian duties do not make us fault finders. But in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, we are given the Great Commission. The Great Commission that is given not just to, to the 11 apostles in the moment that Jesus gave it to them, but it's something that is also passed down to us as individuals too, as Christians, to even today, to carry out in their, their physical absence. Matthew 28, verse 19, Go therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. We have a duty to the world to carry the gospel to all the world. That begins in our own community. We need to carry the gospel to those that are close to us, to those that we work with, to those that live around this building. We have a duty to carry the gospel to the world in that sense. Just as much so as we do as missionaries and in carrying the gospel to the far reaches of the world. We have a duty to carry the gospel either way. And all of us have that duty. We're not exempt from that duty because we give money and put it in the basket each Sunday. That doesn't exempt us from carrying the gospel into the world. See, we still have an individual duty just as much as we have a congregational duty 
I think even more so, it's given to us as individuals. We should be focused on the task at hand. However, to carry out what we've been commissioned to do, we have to recognize that many in the world are lost and we are to carry the gospel to them. Carrying out the commission requires that we recognize the lost is lost. It doesn't mean that we are critically condemning their condition. We're not finding fault just to find fault. But judging by their actions whether or not they are Christians in order to bring them to Christ. If someone is not living as a Christian should, then we have a duty to to point them in the right direction at least. Our judgment of them is acceptable in God's sight because we want to lead them to Him. Not only is it acceptable, but it is also necessary as we are to carry out this commission. Sometimes we are required to look out for one another's salvation. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, we're told that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for teaching. It is profitable for reproof, for rebuke when necessary. When someone is not doing as they should, we need to be able to rebuke them. For correction, for pointing them in the right direction, for showing others the correct way. And for instruction in righteousness, for training others, for training those in what they need to do to be saved, what they need to do to be faithful and how to live in a godly manner. And without judging that someone has erred in some way, the Word of God is no longer profitable. Because we can't take the gospel to them because we can't judge them. You see where where the, the error is in that line of thinking. Was Paul wrong to correct Peter and his example? No, he wasn't. He did so in the right way. He pointed out from a, a scriptural standpoint where Peter had erred and what needed to be corrected. And certainly the scriptures are able to guide us in that. Elders are responsible for others' souls. We look at Acts 20 and 28. It says, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood. They are not only to heed themselves. And really when we look at this, they're also to heed each other. They're also to take heed to, to each other and make sure that, that each other is faithful as well as far as elders are concerned. But to all the flock, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock. They have a responsibility to the congregation.
they are over. And we are to be submissive and obedient to them. And look at what is said in Hebrews 13 and verse 17. Hebrews 13 and verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Why? For they watch out for your souls. As those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. See our elders, they are looking out for our souls. Now, how can they look out for our souls unless they are judging them in some way? They are to make a righteous judgment in regard to the souls of the congregation that they oversee. They are looking out for our souls and they are doing so rightly. And sometimes it is necessary to correct others in error but never in a critical way. Remember that their fault may be mine. And so I have to remember that as I, I judge. When we correct someone, it should be done out of love for them and their souls. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head Christ. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Any correction that is done, any judgment that is made, it should be made with love in mind. We should speak the truth in love. Everything that we do comes to edified to help the body grow in love. In 1 John chapter 3 and beginning with verse 16, By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. Let us not love by telling people that we love them. It's good to tell people that you love them. But even more so, it's better when you show it. Let's show our love for one another. Let's show our love in matters of judgment. We need to recognize that we are not the judge. Whenever it comes to judging the world and each individual soul, that's not my responsibility. But there is one that judges. And that is God. Hebrews 10 and verse 30, For we know Him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge His people. 
Hebrews 13, verse 4. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Those who are evil, those who are wicked, there will come a day when they will face a great and mighty judge. The one who is able to judge the heart. Whereas we can only judge the actions. Our judgment is limited. As we go about doing our Christian duties and, and doing those things that God wants us to do, it's important to remember that we don't have all the facts. And we can't make the ultimate judgment of someone's soul. But we can judge based on their actions whether they are not a Christian. And those that are not Christians, those that are not, not living the life of a Christian, we need to correct them. We need to teach them the right way. But ultimately, God is the judge. And we need to remember that as we go forward. God's judgment is always just. And it is He who will decide our eternity. When men must judge, we must do so fairly. We must do so non-critically, not just for the sake of criticizing people, but to make sure that we do it in the, the right manner. When we must judge, we must do so out of necessity in an effort to win souls to Christ such as when someone is in error or has strayed away from the way. We're not to judge a book by its cover, judging solely on someone's appearance. But again, whenever we judge, our focus should be more so on self, making sure our souls are fit for the kingdom. I don't know where you stand as far as your life in Christ is concerned. But maybe there is some error as you look back at your own soul. Maybe in judging your own soul you see that, that there is some way that you have strayed away from God. Maybe you need to come back. Maybe you need to ask for prayer. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness for something that you've done. Maybe you simply realize that you can't do it on your own. Maybe you need to come in obedience. Maybe you've never obeyed the gospel. And if that's the case, we'd be glad to help you in that need as well. Whatever your need is today, if there's any way that we can help you, we offer you the opportunity as we stand and as we sing.